So what are you thankful for this year, Brett? I'm thankful for, I was going to say Tony, but we actually got Tony last year. Uh, but I'm still thankful for Tony. Oh, it's been that cat, long already. Cat, yeah. And I'm thankful for Johnny and Ocelot and Stevie. I love for my your cats. Quattros Gatos. My Quattros Four Gatos. How about you? Do you have any maybe four-legged furry friends that you're thankful for this year? Oh, I am so thankful for my beautiful, perfect golden retriever puppy, Ernie. Just just imagine the most perfect <laughs> little puppy. That's what Ernie is. No, no, I mean he's not he's not perfect, but he's pretty great and I am very thankful for him. But I'm also and thankful I was oh, just what? gonna say really quick, now that I've met him, I can say and he's a very polite young man. The, oh, the, such the a polite training young classes, man. The, the classes you got him going to are paying off because the whole ride home, Sonia and I were just talking about how handsome and polite Ernie was. Oh, he's just a little guy. But, I, you know, it's like I said to you, I'm I'm cribbing off of a friend who said the same thing. And I was like, yeah, right back at you. I want Ernie to be the kind of dog where people who don't normally like who are normally like, oh, so and so always brings their dog. I want them to tell me, you know, you can bring Ernie. I do yeah. like him. That I was want him to be uh, the exception. <laughs> that was me and my brother with Gibbs. People were always like, are you guys bringing Gibbs? Yeah, <laughs> you guys can bring Gibbs, right? <laughs> but uh, what were you going to say? What else are you thankful for? I'm thankful for our podcast and I'm also thankful for movie night. You know, the last time we did a movie night for a movie that we did for this podcast, it was way back in the early days for Job We Met. I was wondering if we had done anything in between because I specifically thought of Job We Met and how like I probably wouldn't have liked that movie as much if we weren't hanging out watching it together. But this movie was like an absolute blast to watch together. And then I ended up watching it alone later because I was like, damn, this is a really good movie. I think that both of the movies we chose were family movies. I don't know if that's, you know, whenever thankfulness is the theme, family is high in the mind. But I think both of us chose great family movies. Yeah, I And that's kind of like, you know, Thanksgiving, what are people thankful for, family and stuff. Yeah, I don't know if that was on purpose, but it's just how it is, I guess. It shaped up very well. All right, well, let's get this dog and pony show and kitty show on the road. Meow! Necromancer. Necromancer. I'm Shira. I'm a fan of rom-coms, and I'm joined, as always, by the lovely Brett. What kind of movies do you like? I like horror movies. 
Every week here at Necromancer, Brett picks a horror movie, I pick a rom-com, and then we remix those movies, turning the rom-com into a horror and the horror into a rom-com. And if you hadn't already guessed, this week we're talking about movies that we're thankful for. You know, tis the season to reflect on all the things we have around us, I think especially since we've spent so many days of the last year and year before indoors, you're kind of forced to just look around you and see, do I like my life? Am I happy with the way things are? And I feel like, yeah, there's some pretty good things around me. Mostly dogs. Yeah. I was going to say, I if I ever get that way, I just am reminded, like all I got to do is take a tour of the house and I'm reminded that I have four awesome cats just hanging out with me. Um, but also this was interesting because wh- I don't remember the last time I watched a movie specifically with the lens of I'm thankful for this movie. Like what a, what a strange lens to put on watching a movie, but it was really interesting. Yeah. I was also thinking I, I I'm thankful for the movie, but also as an exchange to thankful, I'm glad that this movie exists. Right. Like the existence of these movies, both these movies have improved my life and I think improve other lives by just being there. And I think not just existing, but like, I don't know, like that I'm thankful for, like that genuinely fills me, you know, because that's not a phrase I use often. Like it genuinely fills me from within with this warm, glowing holiday-esque spirit, like just this, you know, the magical light that Santa turns into when he goes up the chimney or the menorah lights up with for some of our Jewish (laughs) listeners. Yeah. And for the people listening to this podcast, yes, the thankful theme was originally for Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving kind of got away from us because it's always a busy season. But as we're heading into Christmas time, when you're probably going to end up listening to it, I think that, you know, really Thanksgiving is the the kickoff to the thankful season. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's. Thanksgiving and it, it extends to... all the way to New Year's Day when we oh. decide all the things we're not thankful for and we want to change. I was going to say probably like a week after New Year's Day, you know, once the hangover kind of <laughs> Once <wears> the, <laughs> the glow right. is off and it's a new year to contend with. Yeah. Yeah, I I thought that that we we both went all out with our choices here. We really, I think, I mean, it took me no, and it didn't take that long. I don't think it took either of us that long to really think about what our movie choices were going to be. Why do you think that is? Uh, no, you asked a while ago about. Oh, I did. Yeah, you did ask a while ago, and my answer was, ooh, that's a strange question. I don't know how to answer that, because there's so many different movies that I'm thankful for for so many different reasons. But then when you asked the second time, I was like, fuck, if I overthink this question, I'm just gonna, it's gonna cause so much stress, it's not worth it. What's the first movie I'm thankful for? Poltergeist. And then... 
Yeah. But yeah, you were like, no, I've got French kiss locked and loaded. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't sure if I wanted to to blow French kiss so early. Uh, haha, blow kiss. Uh-huh. Uh, but I decided to because I really am just so glad that this movie exists and at the same time so mad that it's not on streaming. It's just a it's a damn dirty shame is what it is. Um, and I wish it were m- more well known. I Some of the other themes that I thought about blowing this movie on way back when we did France, I was like, ah, yeah. it's in France. <laughs> um, but then I eventually was like, I, I should do a French language film. But also, uh, and- I'm so grateful for the fact that we did one episode that was like, you know what? I'll I'll give Amelie the benefit of the doubt for this episode, but the mileage I've gotten out of it just to to express my hatred for that movie and Amelie, ooh. It's not just Amelie though. I think you hate all precocious manic pixie dream girls. Like you're like, you know, yeah. Elijah Wood and his wall of like women's like, you know, like dear women mounted on the wall. Yours would just be different like adorable girl characters that you hate yeah uh ramona and flowers hugh, and hugh one. grant oh yeah let's get hugh grant up there <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh, but i also thought about we talked in the past about doing a catnip episode as in you oh know, yeah movies, movies that just have your your catnip tropes and themes because you know, if there's one thing that horror and romance have in common, it's repetition as a feature and not a flaw. We yeah. want to see callbacks to things we've seen before. Like Poltergeist has a ton of them. Yeah. Uh, and it feels and, good. And speaking of catnip, I can totally see that because catnip is like good, you know, in like small little sprinkles and they sprinkle the catnip throughout this movie because you get oh, which these, one? Um, French Kiss. Because you get these moments where Meg Ryan and Kevin Klein are together, and then they're split up, and then they're together. And then when they're together, sometimes it's like, okay, we're in story mode. But sometimes they're just hanging out. And I so, love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, would you say that Poltergeist is also catnippy though? I don't know if I would say catnippy, but it does have like a series of escalations. <laughs> like, so maybe it does sprinkle the escalation. If your catnip is escalation, which mine is, um, that's why I love One Punch Man. That movie draws out the escalations in such a great comedic way that pays off so well. That's what this movie is. It's just a series of slow escalations that pay off. I think that's a very fair assessment. But what you're really telling me is if and really when we do the catnip theme, there's a new movie that you're going to choose, a surprise movie, because Poltergeist thankful for it but when it comes to brett catnip there's something else out there oh yeah that's gonna be 
I can't think about that one right now. You'll have to ask me later and I'll go with my gut instinct, but Well, we'll we'll tease yeah, yeah, it yeah. now to keep the people on the hook. It's coming sooner or later, most likely later. But it it will come. So, which movie do you want to do first? I'm down to talk about French Kiss first. I am too. I mean, it's the one that I watched first. So I, I think that it seems like nowadays we've been going in whatever the, the order of the episodes is dependent on whichever movie we watch first, I think. Usually, yes. But for this one, I watch Poltergeist first and Ooh. then I watch French Kiss. But I watched French Kiss twice, so I'm kind of like eager to talk about it. You know what I mean? All right. Well, let's get into French Kiss. Awesome. Do you is, do you have any other additional reasons, or are oh, we just going to jump right so into something? I like to say about this movie is that it is my platonic ideal for one of my favorite tropes, which in the romance community we like to refer to as grumpy sunshine. When the grumpy one loves the sunshiny one, and this is a trope that just has so much mileage. I would argue that Grumpy Sunshine has more mileage than Enemies to Lovers, which is also another popular trope among romance fans. Um, It's just, yeah, this idea of these two characters that seem opposite, but then complement each other so well. Yeah, buddy cop. Uh, Yeah. It's a buddy cop movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a buddy cop dynamic, but it's um, romantic. Right. I mean, it's, it's the reason why whenever we've watched a buddy cop movie for this uh, podcast, I turned it into a romance like that... Um, like that one futuristic movie we watched with um he's oh. dead now. Um <laughs> just like Sonya. Like whenever a celebrity gets brought up, it's like, oh yeah, he's dead. Uh split second with Rutger Hauer, R.I.P. Yes, the thank late you. great Rutger Hauer, who is now dead. <laughs> Thank you. He's dead now is Rudger Hauer. But I totally saw their dynamic as potentially romantic because he was the grumpy one. The yeah. other guy was the optimistic one. Uh, and this also, this movie has a lot of belligerent sexual tension. Like they're fighting as they're flirting. And it's very sweet. Yeah. I I agree with everything that you said. This is a great movie. I also didn't know. I mean, I the name Lawrence Kasdan did not have the immediate reaction from me oh, that yeah. it did from you. I didn't realize, oh, this was Star Wars, Indiana Jones writer, big budget. Yeah, guy. Silverado. In fact, this movie at many points feels like a Western. Oh, interesting thesis. You're going to have to expand as we get into the movie. But I did end up digging into Lawrence Kasdan's Wikipedia and French Kiss. There's so little space devoted to it. I think the gist of it was that Larry wanted to have a vacation in France. Oh, yeah. Decided to make a movie there. Like this is. Like, you know, how all those grown-up movies with Adam Sandler are just so him and his friends can party. 
Right. Uh, it French Kiss is that for Larry Kasdan. And I'm so disappointed because is that all I meant to you, Larry? Is that all I meant? No, uh, that's me and great... other French Kiss fans. <laughs> no, that's great that that's what you meant to him was like, hey, in order to best portray what France is all about, which is about love, I'm just going to hang out here with Meg Ryan and Kevin Klein. And we're My just favorite actor ask in the French sun, drink the French wine and have a fun time. And that kind of chemistry shows in the movie. Uh, it's a shame that Wikipedia. It is a hangout treats, movie. Treats French Kiss like that. It's a great movie. I, I don't. Yeah. I, shame on Wikipedia. Shame, shame on, on pop you. culture. The shame on you and the streamers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I didn't know either until I read the the wiki that Kevin Klein is a Larry Kasdan regular. And he just, he just, he goes for Kevin Klein. Like, I think yeah. uh, he had him for the big sleep. Is, is that something or not the big sleep, the, the big, the big chill. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, But, but yeah, they have, they have a, a Scorsese DiCaprio type of relationship. Yeah, I mean, that also shows uh, the kind of performance Kevin Klein gives here is the kind where he goes like, hey, listen, I'm going to take over and you just kind of pull the reins every now and then when you need to need to go left or right. Um, yeah, it's oh, Kevin oh, yeah. Klein. Kevin Klein is the best. All right. I digress. Let's get into it. OK, so we start out with Kate. Kate is afraid to fly so she's on this fake flight simulator. figuratively and literally right she is on this fake flight simulator where she's trying to get over her fear of flying so that she can accompany her her fiance to france because he's got to go there for business uh, but there's many things in addition to her being afraid to fly that are holding her up. For instance, she is not Canadian. She is American. So she is in Canada, which is where her fiance is from, on a visa, which does not allow her out of the country. So there's very legal good reason why she should not be flying. Um, and also, she's got a felony under her belt. and so. Which is so hilarious because now weed is legal in Canada. Right. And that's why, yeah, later at the embassy when he's like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I hate that <laughs> that feeling of, of coughing and stuff. And she's like, how do you know? It's like, uh, it's like, yeah, because they were cool with it way before us. Um, and so she she doesn't want to go with him. He wants her to go. But it's then revealed that some neighbor or something is selling a house and they drive by the house and she wants to buy the house because she's thinking about the future, the long term future. Right. She wants to get married. She wants to do all this. She has a nest egg that she's been saving up for from when she was babysitting and now has forty five thousand dollars to put towards a house. And this is all way too much for her, her fiance. Poor old Timothy Hutton. His whole life is flashing before his eyes. He's already dead. And then... He sees a graveyard when he looks at that house. The graveyard that they didn't move the bodies from. 
And then uh, when Kate tries to reel him back in where she's like, hey, listen, it's going to be okay." It's a very sweet moment because like we also kind of know, well, I don't want her to end up with him. I want her to end up with Kevin Klein. Um, But it means a lot to her to be with someone. Uh, Then we cut to him in France. She has not gone with him. He is at first very eager to share his French stories with her, but then phone call after phone call, he's less interested in talking to her, more interested in experiencing the life that Paris has to offer. Uh, Ten minutes into this movie, boom, we get it. He says, I fucked up. I met a woman. We're in love. A goddess, which is French for goddess. Right. (laughs) Um, he's, he's fallen in love with everything Paris has to offer, even the women. So she is cut to her on a plane. She's got to fly to get him back. This is where we get our meet cute, which is, I don't know where the term meet cute or like what movie inspired it or what movie just a writerly term like MacGuffin. Yeah, but somewhat like at one point Hitchcock had to go like this movie is a MacGuffin. Like it was probably one of his movies, but he's like this is. So was there an actual MacGuffin named MacGuffin? No, but he probably gave an example of one of his movies. That's like that's what it is. You guys know what I'm talking about. Watch the movie. Um, But this is like textbook classic, timeless meet cute where. Not only is this a meat cute, it's my favorite category of meat cute, which is meat disaster, because she's freaking out about flying. Yeah, but it's not a disaster because her freaking out about flying gives them something to bond over. A disaster would be like if she left the encounter feeling like he doesn't like her, but really he's extremely charmed by her. I mean, that's not really like... So, like, a meet-cute is, like, bumping into each other, and it, and and it's like there's a minor inconvenience. A meet-disaster would be pepper-spraying somebody in the, in the face, thinking that they're an attacker, when it's really just the guy you're supposed to fall in love with by the end of the story. Right. Yeah. And she didn't a- pepper-spray him, but, I mean, we're pretty... I feel like we're closer to pepper spray than a casual bumping. I suppose. Um, And then he, they start talking and about their first times. Yeah, of course, because he's French and it kind of comes up naturally in a way, but uh, she's afraid to fly. He knows this. He gets her talking about sex and how she must be uh, very, prudent or prude and she's probably very reserved when it comes to sex whereas he's french and he it lost his virginity at the age of 12 to a prostitute and she gets upset at him and all these assumptions that he's making and she gets so angry that she doesn't even notice that they take off and it's a really nice it was all sweet, for a good cause yeah. he tricked her to help her yeah, and when she she leans forward to get the the booklet or the doggy bag or something, he opens the window, and it's just like he opens it in a very street rat kind of way because, of course, he's a street rat. And um, are you saying he's like Aladdin? 
Yes, he's just like Aladdin. Although I mentioned it when we were watching the movie, he's kind of like the main guy from Breathless in that he kind mm-hmm. of only takes what Jean-Paul he needs Belmondo. as he needs it. Yeah, he's just like... I do love that movie. Yeah, I, I think that's one... Of, if I could be any character in real life or like in a movie, it would be that kind of character who's like... A French guy acting like Humphrey Bogart? Yeah, like a lovable thief who is very zen and c'est la vie and sort of just like, you know, you, you kind of... Yeah, you kind of just go on your own little side adventures. There's no real main adventure. You just have a bunch of side adventures. Um, And so... Yeah, there's more stuff on the flight. They just keep talking and talking on the flight. Um, he steals some liquor bottles. He gets her drunk so that he can store away his plant in her bag. Because, of course, when she goes through customs, they stop him because he's a shady French street rat. And they don't stop her. Uh, she's because she's Meg Ryan. She's Meg Ryan. And she's just a cute, adorable little Meg Ryan. Um <laughs> She is supposed to be waiting for him at the airport because he's going to drive her to her hotel or get her a ride to the hotel, kind of show her around the city because also he needs his plant back. But we run into, holy cow, freaking Jean Renault. I knew you were going to love that the professional was in this movie. I was thrilled. What a great surprise. I had zero idea he was in this movie. And he plays a cop. And he just plays the most charming cop. Like, ah, he's such a great guy. Usually he plays these gritty action heroes and stuff. But he's nice. He's like a fairy god cop in this movie. Yeah, he's just he's he's a charming guy and usually his charm is used for that action grit, but here it just gets used to to give us more of that warm, tingly catnip feeling. Um so she goes to a hotel where she is turned away by the hotel concierge. Oh, he's so pitch perfect in his role. Yeah, and also he does kind of have the right he he kind of is right in the sense that he can't just give out guest information. You know what I mean? Anyone could come in and say I'm his fiance or whatever. And he can't just be giving that information out. So in a way he kind of is right, but he's French. So he's snarky about it and she's American. And uh, So then she sits down. This guy is like, Hey, do you need a shoulder to lead to cry on? And she's like, you got an hour. He's like, I have as much time as you need, baby. Oh, I'm French. Uh- in fact, no, I wrote this down. He says, as a matter of fact, always. Always, yeah. <laughs> Which is that's right. such a so suspicious French. answer. Yeah. You got an hour? As a matter of fact, always. You know, so he's he's kind of skeezy, but he's also kind of charming. And he's kind of playing a long con. He's trying to con her out of a bag or something. But he gets away with it because... She's so worked up over, oh, if my fiance was here and you were hitting on me, he would do something about it. You know what he's doing. Oh, wait, wait. Before she gets into that conversation, she asks him the weirdest question. She's like, can you pee with someone standing behind you? And he's like, do you want to be the person (laughs) standing behind me? 
Yeah, he's, you, he's and, and she's like, no, no. And he's like, do you want to watch as someone <laughs> pees behind me? It can be arranged. Yeah. I, I thought that whole sequence was hilarious. Yeah, and it, yeah, he's like, uh, you have the face of an angel, but the mind of a dirty little devil. He's oh, very oh, French. Oh, oh. And then, yeah, and that's when she starts arguing. And then that's when we get what I referred to in my notes as the glass elevator of pain. Yeah, the glass elevator comes down, the 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 camera pushes in on Kate's reaction. He is making out with his new French lover. Uh it's it's Goddess. bad. Goddess. She faints. He steals the bag. Uh and then the French guy Luke comes back and he is upset at her because her bag was stolen and it's very funny. Um, And so basically they have to go track down this guy, right? Luckily for Luke, he's a street rat. So he knows all the other other street street rats. rats. Yeah. So he busts into Bob's apartment and then, oh, this is also where he steals a car. He's like, Hey, I'll, I'll give us a ride to Bob's. Let me go get my car real quick. He steals the car. Um, but then Bob is just like, hey, what's up? And he's like, hey, you stole this lady's bag? He's like, yeah, I did. He's like, oh, uh, what What about the, th- what did you do with all the stuff? He's like, I sold it. And he's like, what did you do with my thing? He's like, no, I sold everything. And she's upset about her clothes. And then it's revealed that he did plant the plant. So it's like, oh, he saved the plant. I thought that was a very French thing to do, which is like, well, I'm not going to kill the plant. I also <laughs> like that he said that he gave her clothes to Marie or or whoever that girl was. And instead of telling her that somebody had them, he's like, I don't have time for that. He's like, yeah, they're gone. Yeah. Stolen. Uh, <laughs> sold. <laughs> and so. So here, where do we go from here? Uh, let me catch up because now I'm. So she's uh, like, yeah, all men are bastards. All you bastards know each other. She is stranded, penniless. He tries to give her money, but then she decides that she doesn't want his money and makes a big show of throwing it at him, but then goes back to collect yeah. it later. And we get the sequence of them wandering around separately. Right. And so oh, yeah. he finds out he doesn't have the necklace. She right. has the necklace. He finds oh, out because she- he also has a diamond necklace with his plant. Right. So there are two MacGuffins. All of that stuff is true. There's so much going on, and it's all it's layered like an onion because everything that he's doing has its own separate kind of motivation. Um, mm. It's it's such a great. It, it, that's what kind of makes him a Western character. Is he's this mm-hmm. stranger who bumps into her at just the right time. And he's got all of this other stuff on his plate, but he still makes time for her because of this kind of cosmic kismet, you know, serendipitous. Well, he has to, she has the key to his future. This is his right. one last job. Uh, and you know what else I, I really like about it. You say motivation 
you know how we were talking about how Legally Blonde is a masterclass in pacing? Yeah. This is what I would show on my class day on motivation, character motivation. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. this movie always has a strong answer as to why are these characters together? And, you know, in some of the movies we've watched, and not just romance, but but horror too, the motiv- the character motivation or why these characters together is so thin, you could just pierce through it with your fingernail. Um, but this movie is ironclad when it comes to why these characters have to be together. I completely agree. I think for a movie like Split Second, I like that thin veil of their motivation is, uh, you guys are mismatched buddy cop partners. Deal with it. You have to work together. But for a movie like this, which relies on an actual romance between the two, having a strong motivation for them to be together without that motivation being each other and letting that develop over the movie until it's one big grand moment. Like you're right. I think that's what I like about this movie more than Hugh Grant type movies. Cause Hugh Grant type movies just, I don't know. They, so for you, Anna wanting to see him again after their run in at the bookstore is just very thin as far as motivation. Like the right. idea that Julia Roberts, highly successful actress character, <laughs> wants this nerdy map but, or travel bookstore, not even a regular bookstore. He's a right. travel books guy. <laughs> but also I think the difference is those movies try to make the end moment a big grand gesture. Whereas this moment's big grand gesture is just an intimate moment. It's just two people on a plane looking each other in the eye going, you should stay with me instead of going back home. And that's a big decision to make in a moment like that. But at at that moment you feel, yeah, she's a woman without a country. She's found her, her cottage, her peaceful place. She, she bought the future that she saved up for with her nest egg. Like, yeah, the ending is so much more intimate and it's well-earned. And that's because you're, you're right there in every scene with them. You're completely motivated with them. Yeah, I, oh, I yeah. agree. So this all leads to her her uh, adventures at the U.S. and Canadian embassy. Right. And I thought it was... I thought it was so unfair, but in a in a in a cute way. I thought it was unfair that the U.S. embassy lady was like, "So you're applying to be Canadian, and now you want us, America, to help you?" I don't think so. Like it was, it was so mean. But then she goes to the French one, and the French guy's like very apologetic, but also very unsympathetic because he's like, you left the country. We told you you couldn't do that. Oh, it was for true love. Okay, okay, okay. Um, uh, yeah, but... Canadians don't like it when you break the rules. <laughs> right, and then he's like, oh, but also you have a felony. Yeah, uh, you smoked some pot when you were younger. Okay, yeah, uh, no, you're denied. Yeah, you, you, you can't be Canadian. So yeah, she is. She's stuck without a country. Um, and then... She also learns, this is a big bombshell moment, that fiancé, Timothy Hutton, is getting married to the French lady. What? That's crazy. Yeah, within like, 
I don't know, a week of knowing Juliet, he wants to marry her. And they're going to the uh they're going to Cannes to yeah. the beach to have their wedding. I like I like her showdown with the concierge the second yes. time. Like she's all fired up. She said she's gonna triumph right next to the Arc right. de Triumph. Oh and yeah, she comes that was back great. and gives him gives him the business and he tells her where they are because it's not it's not no longer in his jurisdiction, right? Right, it's very curb your enthusiasm. It's it's something that would definitely happen to Larry David, which is Larry gets burned by a concierge because he's in the wrong. You can't just go in and ask for the information of the guests. But if it's a different hotel, well, I'll let that concierge deal with it. You know what I mean? So it was such a great moment. And then um, uh, what's his name? Luke comes into the hotel or also, I love the part where he's like, listen, I'll get you a taxi. And she's like, thank you. Because she's funky and she is like making a scene. But she's also like, you know, she's like, dude, help me out. And uh, he secretly likes her. He, yeah, she makes he his life it. more interesting. Yeah, he kind of respects it at the end. And he's like, listen, I'll get you a taxi. I'll get you out of here. You know, best of luck, whatever. Get out. Uh, but also she's had trouble hailing taxis because she's a tourist. She's obviously an American tourist. So none of the French taxis want to pick her up is kind of the little thing that I thought of, which was like, oh, it's, so it's nice that he calls her a taxi. Uh, but then Luke shows up, right? And he kind of tells her or he tells Luke where she is. Yeah, he goes to the hotel. Right. He tells Luke where she is. Luke comes up to her. I wrote it down. He says, I've come to make peace with your people. Right. And this is where it becomes like a Western, I think. The the transition to the train station, this is our destination. Cans. This is the next big stop of the movie. But before we do that, we have to have some Western-y hijinks of, okay, the, the heroes come together at this one funnel in place of the train station. Then there's hijinks, because Jean Renault's there. He's got to arrest uh, this whole time at the hotel, Jean Renault was there talking to Bob. Very funny stuff. And then so Jean Renault's there to arrest Luke, but Luke has to be a street rat and he's got to escape. And do he's all also these a antics. gentleman thief. I, yeah. I like gentleman thief more than street rat, but Aladdin is also very much big dick energy. I, I think Aladdin was the first cartoon crush for a lot of girls, but. I like Jasmine's I like the banter. probably right up there for a lot of boys too. I know, right? <laughs> they why did they have to make those cartoon characters so sexy? I don't think that was cool. <laughs> uh but uh also Robin Hood, I feel like just that Robin Hood, the anthropomorphic fox, is probably yeah. responsible for a lot of furry fetishes. Probably, but yeah. <laughs> I digress. What I really liked in this was the banter because so we've got the he's realizing that Jean Renault is closing in on him. And then at the same time, he's talking to Kate about how he's going to be there for her. He wants to help her with Charlie. And right when he says, I am here for you, he ducks and hides because Jean Renault is there. And then she turns and says, typical. It's just such yeah. a great little exchange. 
And she kind of just, she doesn't even, she looks over, but she doesn't break stride. You know what I mean? She's like, no, no, not at all. She's not that bothered by it. Yeah. She has this confidence that like, okay, he disappeared for now, but I'll see him again. Like, because he's a, yeah, he's a gentleman thief. He's after something. If he showed up again, then that means he's after something. Uh, so I'm going to, uh, to me, all of this is like flirting, right? She's like, oh, it's very cute. Yeah. Uh, and then, so Luke catches the train, gives Jean Renault a wave. Jean Renault gives him the look of, I'll get you. When the timing is right, I'll get you. But also be it's a man sweet. of honor and, and repay the debt that I owe you, which we'll learn about later. But yeah. Um, and so... They're on the plane, and uh, oh, wait, they're on the train. Or, yeah, I'm sorry, they're on the train again. Another westerny type thing. They took trains everywhere in the old west. Trains, um, planes, automobiles. Yeah, uh, and so she takes a. Mo- I love this moment where she takes a moment to appreciate the Eiffel Tower, and then she turns to him, and it's like a complete mood resetter because he jumps back into the passenger seat next to her and is like so where did we leave off i will help you uh, da, 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 da. and he's like very charming about it in a very obvious way that's like yeah i still need you for something and so she's like listen essentially what she's saying the subtext of what she's saying is listen just give me a moment to breathe I'm in France. Let me appreciate France. You know, this whole time, even right in front of the Arc de Triomphe, I was a crying mess. Let me just take a moment to appreciate France. She takes a tiny moment, takes a breath, and then she's like, hey, what's up? What do you need from me? And they actually have like a dialogue about (laughs) what's going on. Again, like talk about motivation. Like we actually get to spend time with the characters is this when he first talks about how happiness makes his ass twitch? I don't know, but yes, that's a thing. I think that's earlier in the movie, and then she calls back to it on the dining cart. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he is. Uh, he, he, I love in these. He's moments, grumpy. Yeah, I love in these moments too. Every time he moves towards her he touches her bag and then she moves it away. But it's in a very playful, almost like silent movie, fun kind of way. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just very visual and hijinksy. It's very flirty. It's, you know, it's the, it's him, him getting close to her and her going, no, you still need to work for it. Um, but then he gets her. Uh, here we wait. Okay, so they end up in a cart together, like a room together, and she ends up falling asleep. And she uses her bag as a purse, and he's got to reach in. So he's got to put his arm mm-hmm. around her while she's sleeping. And then while she's sleeping, she turns towards him calls out Charlie's name, gives him a kiss, gives Luke a kiss, a passionate kiss, and Luke kisses her back. And then she opens her eyes a little and then sleepily goes back to sleep and she's got this warm, fuzzy smile on her face. And then Kevin Klein is like, 
Oh no. His shit got rocked by that kiss, y'all. Right. He's he's he, he is he's on the, overcome. I feel like on uh yeah, he's he doesn't know what to do because he didn't realize that she had this hidden kind of raw sensual passion like just pent overwhelming. up in her that she didn't even know was possible cuz she had to be so tired and passed out that it had to come from like her subconscious so then he wakes up he's all alone he rushes out he puts on his coat and i love that again another little character touch uh is he runs into the dining car and bumps into a guy doesn't even apologize usually that's a jerk move but again he's a gentleman thief lovable street rat so once he sees kate is sitting in the dining cart just chowing down munching away on food when he goes to sit down with her a guy walks by him and he slinks around the guy to kind of be like as invisible and smooth as possible and it's just a cool little character touch that like in the moment he's like i'm gonna bump into you but then not in the moment he's like slinky and slidey he's like a snake um, but then they sit down, they talk over the cheese. She is now eating cheese. She's loving cheese. Everything she hated she's about loving France. the countryside. She just loves beautiful. It. Everything's beautiful. This is where he's from. Uh, I love when he gets mad at her about the cheese. He's like, oh, she's like, I love the cheese. It's so great. He's like, oh, I bet you would just like one cheese for one cheeseburger at one restaurant. And she's like, I'm saying I like it. And it was just like right. how grumpy she is at him about like, I'm saying I like the, I, I like it. Why are you Well, he's me? the grumpy one. This is a classic. So you know how I told you this is the platonic ideal of right. grumpy sunshine movies? This scene is a perfect example. She's loving the cheese. She's loving right. the countryside. She's a literal beam of sunshine with that spiky uh you know blonde head she's literally sunshine incarnate and then when he says i i think he says i was born here right yeah. or i'm from here but when he first says it he says like he kind of mumbles it uh yeah. and then she makes him repeat himself and that's when he says i was born here but it's so tortured like he yeah. hates admitting that he was born in this beautiful idyllic countryside um but also in a way he does have reason to be grumpy which is like he's he everything he wants is there and he can't have it um so in a way you know it, it is kind of like he doesn't he's not happy to go back but also this is where she's like oh if you were just sitting around like her impression of him is great where she's like you'd be smoking your cigarette saying these people make my asshole twitch <laughs> and uh the, the <laughs> yeah, impression, her impression the, of him the is, callback is the timing yeah it's so great but before then that, she, she has her big her big uh, lactose blowout. I like when right. I like how Meg Ryan sells the scene. To this day, I I watched this movie a lot as a kid. I really had the wrong impression of lactose intolerance <laughs> from this movie. I know it gives you the shits, but she made it sound like, or she made it look like you would have a full on seizure freak out from lactose intolerance. Yeah, and this like somebody's gonna have to get out the paddles and resuscitate you because of this lactose intolerance. Um, I think, but I think yeah, that's what she just happen. had to poo a lot. 
I think that's what would happen if you had gone that long without indulging in some minor lactose intolerance, you know, stuff to treat yourself every now and then. If you went that long without stuff like that and then ate a whole entire table's worth of cheese, yeah, you might die. That might be too much. Okay, okay, that that's fair to yeah. when you when you go to that extreme. But yeah, they they go into um, the hometown, and then the friendly western small town cop is like, "Wait a minute, I know you," and he's like, "He knows all the bad guys." It's kind of like that Seinfeld bit of like the most wanted posters at the at the post office. This guy's like, wait a minute, I know you, you're a bad guy. And so he calls the cops, which uh, which starts the the fuse of Jean Renault showing up. It's not an immediate threat. It's just teasing the idea that, okay, later, Jean Renault will be there. Uh, they're at a little cafe or something, and a guy pulls up, starts yelling at Luke. Luke starts yelling at him, punches are thrown, and then they, they run away, and... Luke reveals that that was his brother. And so now we've got to go over his past. As Luke is describing his past, they're walking by a beautiful French sunset vineyard in the French Southern France countryside. And, and Luke is like, Hey, I've got the soul in order to be a good winemaker. You got to have the soul of a gambler. She's like, ah, so you like to gamble. You like to drink. He lost again, another Western type thing. I think he lost his dog in a card game. And I, I can, that's gotta be in a Western where a guy lost a dog in a card game to his brother, but the dog still prefers him. You know what I mean? Like that's a very Western thing. I, I think. But, that um, does feel like a Western thing. Also, yeah. just, uh, yeah, losing everything to your brother in a card game. I really did not see these Western connections until you pointed them out. Yeah, and so uh, and so, it's very charming. It's very sweet. He reveals that the, that, is this where he reveals that the plant was going to be his new start and... Yeah, I think yeah. he talks about about how he he wants this old vineyard land. The plant's going to be his start. I also love when they when she says show me your room and it's yeah. just kind of bold and sexy for her. It, like he I wrote that down too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, show me your room feels like a universal, you know, shorthand it's, for it's like paying show extra me you pants. with your pants off. But yeah. that's not what she really meant, at least not yet. And I love that they go into his science project and it's about wine and and yeah. how to taste the different notes in wine. And and it's such a great deepening of affection and um, sort of intimacy between them again this movie is so good at character motivation and showing just the right moments to make you believe these two need to be together one of the things that absolutely helps out with that is the french new wave breathless kind of say la vie attitude where this character even though he knows he's he's becoming a main character in a meta sense, he's he's not concerned with having to explain himself all the time. He's just down for the adventure. 
So the moment when he does explain it, it is a very intimate moment. It's her smelling the smells. It's him guiding her through the taste. He asks her, what is the smell? And she says, some kind of mushroom. And he's like, good. Like, yeah, like he does. He compliments her uh, instead of before when he was grumpy and was like, I bet you just like one cheese. I'm French. And so, yeah, it's it gives her it puts everything in context of why he's such a street rat is because like you said, it's one last job. It's the gentleman thief. He's, he's lived that crazy fun by the seat of his pants lifestyle for, for a while, but now it's time to settle down. It's time to create wine. And so he's becoming more like her, but also she's becoming more like him. And I think we see it in that next scene really well well so then we we as he's as he's walking through the thing they get to the kind of more abandoned vineyard and then he's like if i had the necklace i would sell it to buy this place um and that's why i need the necklace so not only did he smuggle the plant he smuggled the necklace with the plant so both parts it was like two keys instead of just one key which is a great great plot device um so then she's like would you beg and he's like i would beg and it's again more callbacks great natural callbacks fun flirty callbacks um and then uh, this is this might get a little confusing but then they go to some place right they go to the train station to go meet up with uh her fiance they're gonna go do their their tricky little rom-com plan and then he's like eh well she's like why don't you just buy it and she's like i don't have the money i had a backup plan but i lost it she's like oh you lost it would it be this that you lost and her button-up shirt is now one button unbuttoned and she's got a shiny diamond necklace under there and then she runs and skips onto the train and he's like what the fuck just happened and then he goes on the train with her. So now it's official. Like they are cutesy, wootsy, flirting. They need to be ending up together. It's perfect. Because you now. You know what else? Oh, I just wanted to say yeah. what else I really love about this is she finds the necklace and she's not like, oh my God, was right. I just a bet to you? Am I a fucking bet? That's a reference to She's All That. And there's no there's no fallout to say like, oh, so betrayed. She knows exactly what kind of person he is. He's a con man. He's a thief. But also and they kind of got that fact- out of the way with the plant. Well, yeah, no, she learns about the plant and all of that. But but yeah, there's absolutely no fallout over over the necklace. She yeah. is down for the adventure yeah. as much as he is. Right, because he's teaching her to live and to love seduction life, lessons, live, laugh, love. Also a trope, <laughs> and fake dating. Also a trope. This this is just a tropical storm of all yes. the things I like, and it's great because now they they just blend a bunch of tropes into one condensed scene of like he's got to teach her how to be sexy, and in order to be sexy, he's got to teach her how to be comfortable with herself because being comfortable with yourself and having that self confidence is the sexiest thing of all uh and so 
he has to give her all the tools in her arsenal that she then will sort of get to use against him when they're in like more full on flirty territory. But we also get that hint of like, she's like, what do men want? And or like, what do you want? And he's like, I want you to, uh, to, she's like, you want me to what? And she's like, to break his heart. And it's very fun. Yeah. That's a good bit. I like that bit. I also like that. So he gives her all this advice. They walk around, they, they observe a French woman in the wild using her wiles and then the pout all goes wrong yeah this is uh this is not really my thing i usually roll my eyes a little bit when when some of the hijinks like this kind of happen but we actually get some full-on scooby-doo hallway cuts her going from (laughs) one side to the other and then i like that funny that they bump into each other and he knows who he is but he doesn't know who he is and it's it is it's very funny it's very gimmicky and there's no real sense of danger which i like because sometimes these movies try to draw out that sense of like is it really gonna get awkward but with you know like this movie's like no we're gonna draw it out i even like how luke is like no we'll use it to our advantage he's very french he's say la vie he's yeah we'll just roll with it um and he's got it he's i love his line how can i hope you wouldn't back this ridiculous man if you keep acting like a clown (laughs) he's like mad at her for being (laughs) this lovable little meg ryan but also she's like yeah he's like i can't this is not how you win a guy back you gotta just be yourself and then we get the whole pout thing of you know the pout means yes and the pout means no and she's like happy sad smile frown just say what you mean and mean what you say like just what do you what do you want and he's like i want you but he's like i want you to have i want you to torture him i want you to make him realize what he can't have and it's like he yeah, pulls that's, back that's he pulls back because he's scared right and then he describes all the things that she's making him feel right and then that's how luke is luke is this tragic kind of french character who has put himself in a situation where he is always one move away from having the thing that he wants, but he can never have. But it's like, he's like, I trust life to give it to me at the right time. Uh, But essentially what they do is they do the, the very tropey thing of she's totally fine with the breakup. She's leaning super into the breakup. She's got a new guy, wink, wink, who turns out to be Luke. He's very French. Um, And then She's like, no, it's okay. Let's just break up. That makes Charlie want her more, which is, of course, duh, Charlie, Timothy Hutton, such a uh, scumbag, sleaze ball. He asks her to dance. I love, we loved the line. We pointed it out. All three of us watching the movie pointed out how just, how, how helpful it was of Luke to offer to take Juliet off of her hand. So French. So nice of him. I'm going to do you this favor. I'm going to fuck your fiance's new fiance. Right. Such a great guy. Uh, They both end up in the bedroom. Oh, we glossed over the fact that Luke has erectile dysfunction. Oh, right. We've got erectile dysfunction visibility in a movie. You know, not a lot of movies, especially romance movies, talking about dick problems. This, yeah. this movie goes there and yeah. I have to well, say also, I'm thankful for it because he can still be a romantic 
hero and have dick problems. It's funny because they mentioned to her that she she has a healthy, normal sex life, except for that one time she was between jobs, right? She was like, but I was just in between jobs. And technically, kind of like Kevin Klein, Luke is on a big job, which would be just as stressful in his line of work of being a gentleman thief. So it's like it's the work stress is getting to him, you know? So it's like, yeah. But uh, Charlie is all up on Kate. Kate is not having it. She's not feeling it. She's not into him. Uh, Luke, she had to win him back so she could dump him herself on her terms. Right. I mean, it wasn't a revenge plan, but it's a. it was a realization that, okay, this is what I actually needed to do was just accept the breakup because he he's never going to just want me. He's always going to want the newest, latest, best in front of him. Um, Luke calls out Kate's name when he's with Juliet. So yikes. I uh, said Kate. <laughs> um, and so then, so then, then what? they're lying liars is what happens. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, they, they each lie and, and sort of do that. But then Jean Renault, uh, Kevin Klein has to leave for a little bit. Jean Renault comes up, or she's already sitting at the same bench as him, and he does the cool thing of like being behind the newspaper. And Jean Renault breaks it down for her. This is where we kind of learn about the, the debt that Jean Renault owes Luke, where he's like, hey, listen, I got to arrest this guy for stealing this thing. However, if it was anonymously returned by the deadline of tomorrow night or whenever, then I could gloss over the fact of who stole it and whatever. He's like being a good guy while still upholding the law. He's upholding he wants these crazy kids to work out. Right. And so it's very nice. And, uh, Oh, that was just a little bit before, but this is where the this is where she actually sells the necklace for for um, Luke because he can't because of she pretends to right. sell the necklace. It's so all she, she does her own con on yeah. him. And when I yeah, so she goes into the necklace place, sells the necklace, but really what she's doing is she's turning it over to Jean Renault to the cops anonymously, quote unquote. And Jean Renault has worked out with his magic cop powers that her nest egg has been transferred directly to her right now. So it looks like she sold it. And I love the, I love when he says, of course, very French. He's like, the illusion is complete. And then he's like, why? And she's like, well, you know, why not? Um, uh, she's like, I'm currently without a country. So then they go back. Of course, the diamond necklace is worth over a hundred thousand dollars. She only gets forty five thousand dollars for it. Um, there was a flaw, right? A flaw. <laughs> then she, she, yeah, I like. There's a flaw. A flaw. Flaws. <laughs> She's very cute in this scene. It's hard to stay mad at her. Uh, but this is where she she leaves to go back, quote unquote, home. And then Jean Renault's like, you know, actually, it was her money. She's she's the one who gave you the new life that you want. But he does it in such a French way. It's such a yeah, it's you're right. So it's French. the fairy godmother Kevin, cop way. Yeah, Kevin Klein sees Charlie with Juliet trying to trying yeah. to make up with her. I mean, they're both dirtbags, yeah. so they belong together. And then uh, Jean Renault's like, ah, 
love, l'amour. <laughs> and Kevin Klein's like, that's not love. And he's like, oh, yeah? You want to know yeah. a love? You want to hear a love story? And of course, Kevin Klein's like, "Yeah, I totally want to yeah. hear a love story." I, which is so weird to me, because like, what two French guys are suddenly like, "Hey, want to hear a love story?" And it's like, "Ooh, do tell!" And yeah. then he says, "It begins with an airplane." Cut to oh. the airplane. What? And then it's also great because he's like, Kate. And it's just like the person talking to her at the beginning of the movie, like walking her through flying. Only oh, it's such this a neat time, little ribbon. Yeah, it's such a great ribbon because the first time the voice was trying to talk her into flying and she did not want to fly. Now she kind of wants, like she's willing to fly, but the voice is trying to talk her Metaphorically. out of it. Metaphorically. Ah, so great. Uh, and then you she's like, You are not afraid like, to fly anymore? Yeah. And he's like, what are you thinking about? She's like, I'm thinking about you. She's like, what do you want? And he's like, I want you, dot, dot, dot. I want you, dot, dot, dot. What? No, that's it. I want you. Oh, and then they make out on the French countryside. Uh, It's such a great nobody's perfect type of line. Yeah. It's a a classic movie fade to black ending and then we get some mid credits little flirting where they're like sing the song oh who's what song oh the song by this guy oh you pronounce it wrong no blah, blah, blah. like it's very cute <laughs> yeah it it they just they they tie a bow on it very neat ending no no false ending and then yeah no uh you betrayed me you betrayed me why did we sleep with other people or try to none of that there's none of that mess they just the big breakup happens at the beginning of the movie and then the rest of the movie is them kind of being pulled apart for different reasons and then the end of the movie is our time is done we we have to split up. There's no big breakup. They're just like, all right, see ya. And then it's like, well, no, okay, I got to make the romantic gesture. I got to get back, you know? Yes. So I got to ask the question, who would you kill from this movie? Well, I kind of said that in a way I appreciated what she did because it had to serve a story function but the french are the american embassy lady who is just like she almost took too much pleasure in denying kate a passport just because kate found love and wanted to move to a different country doesn't love transcend borders but this american embassy person was like no you want to be french go be french no we should be we should be encouraging expatriates to to give a good name to America <laughs> in other countries where they have found true love. I don't like her. I'm killing her. How about you? For me, it's got to be Charlie Timothy Hutton. Kate doesn't uh, yeah. deserve that, and neither does Juliet. You know, Juliet's just a hot French lady. I don't know what she's doing with Charlie. I mean, I guess they're both very superficial people, but yeah, Charlie's got to go, and I, I correct that in my remix. I would have appreciated the one tiny little note I would have had for this movie is if Charlie trying to get back together with Juliet included Juliet basically turning him away, going like, listen, I'll be fine. 
<laughs> right? She's like, no, if you don't want just me, if you are willing to go back to your ex fiance after you propose to me, clearly, no, you don't get either of us. No, uh, I'll be fine. I'll find someone much better for me. Um, so yeah, uh, instead, Timothy Hutton just kind of like forces himself on her and it's gross. Yeah, not, it's not romantic. It is no. not L'Amour. No. Um, so how was it turning this into a scary horror movie? You know, it, it doesn't always happen, but I had another, what I like to refer to as Amadeus moment where Right from the heavens, the ideas were just coming through me like Mozart, and I just got it all out in one go, and I was satisfied. These are the originals. Yeah. That's great. I, I too, yeah, I was like, this is easy. All I got to do is... You know, it's one of those things where once you find uh, there's a bunch of different ways you could go. But once you find the right one, you're like, nope, I'm just going with this. And you're like, yeah, that was the right choice. Yeah, Yeah. I think I I tend to have more Amadeus moments, the less I permit myself to think, the less I'm thinking about it. And the more I'm just letting it come to me, the easier it is to do these remixes. Yeah, yeah, I if totally. I, agree. If I get too labored over it, then it, it comes out crappy. But this time, I, I feel pretty good about what I have to share. All right, very nice. Are you going to go first on this one? Sure, why not? Yeah. All right, so I'm calling this movie "French Kiss of Death." <laughs> I also nailed my my remix titles this time. You're going to love the one I have for Poltergeist. Nice. Uh, but yeah, "French Kiss of Death." So Kate is a CIA agent under deep cover as the fiance of Charlie. She's doing an Americans on him. Uh, And he is a Canadian physicist. She is just about to close in on Charlie's research, which I guess the government wants. But then he's whisked away on this business trip to France. And she thinks, oh, well, she can just she can wait for his return to capture what I refer to as his MacGuffin hard drive. There's just, there's a flash drive. Everybody wants the flash drive. Big mistake because Charlie gets taken as in taken the movie uh, in Paris, because I mean, if this isn't a romance, what else is going to happen to you in France except getting taken now? Uh, the French version of the CIA, they also want the hard drive, but Charlie has hidden it. And Kate, having the skills of Liam Neeson in the body of Meg Ryan, decides that she has to go to Paris to rescue him and get that MacGuffin. Her true feelings about Charlie remain somewhat ambiguous. The problem here is that Kate has not been authorized to go to Paris on her own. In fact, her boss tells her not to. And in this version, I like to think her boss is played by Joan Cusack because I just think that would be funny. Uh, And Kate goes anyways, and she runs into Luke, a French gentleman thief and sometimes assassin. I think it would be funny if he said that he was a fair weather assassin. (laughs) Uh, and oh, maybe they also you said Joan Cusack. Yeah, she could be like a, a 
this you could make a reference to her character in Gross Point Blank, where she's like a hitman's secretary almost. Right. But right. now she's so like she's, the boss. Yeah. She's graduated from hitman's secretary to hitman's boss, and Kate is her her charge. Uh, and so Luke and Kate, they're, they're having this, this cute belligerent banter and Kate gives him the cover story that she's going after her cheating fiance. Uh, and Luke thinks Kate is just an ordinary Meg Ryan. So he stashes his one last job diamond necklace in her bag. Uh, but when Luke follows Kate through to Paris, he learns quickly that she's actually Liam Neeson. Uh, Kate goes into the hotel, Spider-Manning like, her way into Charlie's room. Maybe there are a couple remaining bad guys, and Luke watches as uh, Kate dispatches them, uh, Luke Besson style. Uh, and then he comes out of hiding, tells her he wants to help. She accepts. But then they also learn that Luke is being followed by Inspector Jean-Paul, who also recognizes Kate from previous work. He knows that she's an agent. This revelation goes up the chain to Joan Cusack, and then Kate gets a burn notice. Oh, no. You know what movie this reminds me of, which we, we called during the movie? What? Night and Day. Oh, yeah, this is more of a night and day scenario, but yeah. I think I want it to be a little more gritty. And right. I want yeah, Kate, yeah, yeah. I want Kate to be the Tom Cruise character. Right. Yeah. I, yeah maybe, yeah. maybe night and day would have worked even better if the night was a woman. Um, I don't but, think so. I love Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. For I, your I movie, that. I totally agree. Yeah. Seeing, seeing a, like a, a, Kate, a Meg Ryan, Kate, John Wick, Liam Neeson taken. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So now they've got like the entire world against them and they're going to have to fight like crazy to get where Charlie is being held. Kate is convinced that the MacGuffin hard drive is the key to everything. Way more important than the necklace. It's going to be their ticket to freedom. So we're hitting the third act now. They get to the final boss warehouse. Uh, and of course, it is just an absolute mayhem, haze of bullets. Kate and Luke rescue Charlie and make him reveal the location of the hard drive. Charlie reveals to Kate that the hard drive is with his mistress, Juliet. And oh. then Kate shoots Charlie in the head and the chest assassin style and says, damn, he really was cheating on me. All men are bastards. Oh, and they all know each other. And they all know each other. <laughs> Luke, who is a smart bastard, does not say anything. Very good choice, but Luke. He's, he's still, he's, he's into it. Uh, and so then Kate and Luke go to Juliet's apartment and before they knock on the door, they hear the, is it, is it the pulling back of the safety that makes guns click? I'm not uh, really familiar with the mechanics of guns, even though I'm American the, and Texan. The cocking of the hammer. Oh yeah, the cock, yeah. We hear that unmistakable sound, which is the cocking of the hammer of a gun but, you know, almost like, uh, what is it, uh, Mars. Ah, that movie. 
Ghosts um, of Mars? Like Ghosts of Mars, Kate and Luke give each other that look like we're ready for anything. Fucking bust out the twin Uzis, baby. Yeah, I don't know if there's twin Uzis. Oh, Maybe right. there are like, yeah, like some cute little semi-autos. But yeah, they, they smile at each other knowing that shit's about to go down again. But they like being in the middle of the craziness. Yeah. And that's where it ends. Wow. I also end up mine on kind of a cliffhanger. Ooh, nice. Yeah, there's just something nice about the 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 French, right? Denouement. Yeah. Oh, is that what to, that term means? Yeah, it means to kind of end on a unambiguous or uh, ambiguous kind of ending of like it just kind of ends and like uh I don't know, I guess I don't know. But um all right, I don't remember what I was going to call mine. I thought I had a better title that I should have written down, but my first instinct was to go with wine and die. <laughs> Which We'll have to do some kind of visual thing to make it look because I like wine and dine is a thing, but I don't think wine and die has like a good enough rolls off the tongue kind of thing. But here we go. This is going to be a sequel to French Kiss. Ooh, you're going the sequel route. Sequel route. It's years later, of course, like like now time later. Right. Uh, So however many years have passed. And Kate and Luke, there's been a murder at their French cottage vineyard house place. So um, cheese knives out. <laughs> yes, cheese knives out. And um, so then some of this might be a little weird because I kind of like backtracked a little bit. But essentially... Uh, the guy who was murdered is like a French serial killer and there's history there. And so the guy who gets called out is Jean Renault. Jean Renault comes out because they're like, we need your help bringing in Kevin Klein because he murdered this guy in his own house. And we need to talk to him because this guy was a wanted killer. Um, and we've got him. He, he killed across the countryside seemingly randomly and now he shows up dead in kevin klein's house what's going on here um and, and we know that because uh, whatever so this is where we get a little bit of backstory on the debt that um that that luke owes jean renault and what that debt is is um luke was hired to do a job by a serial killer right and then he like he was framed. So he was hired by some guy to break into a house. And then after he broke into a house, the serial killer went in, killed the family, and then left. And it got blamed on Luke. Um, so Luke was framed. Jean Renault was a cop who was hunting the killer. And his family was targeted by the serial killer. And Luke helped him catch the killer. Because Luke is a gentleman thief who knows everyone. And he, he's, he's not going to sell out his buddy like Bob, but he will sell out a truly evil scumbag who needs to be stopped. Um, and so <laughs> it's somehow revealed. I don't know when, if we're going to reveal this at the end or what, but what happened was these bad guys were all collected, right? 
like this French serial killer was collected into this prison and then somehow the prison burned down or something. And then years later, a vineyard was built on top of it where all the ashes of the killers are. And then, (laughs) and then the wine that is produced on this, the Evil soil guy is filled soil. with killer ash. Yes. So then it's filled with killer ash. So the people who drink the wine end up like each bottle of wine ends up turning that person into the serial, like the ghost of the serial killer who kills people using their MO or who goes mm. after unfinished business that the serial killer had. Feels and very fear street. Yeah. And so, yeah, very goosebumpsy adult goosebumps Fear Street kind of thing. Oh wait! Also, can we make this wine delicious? Because I think horror movie rules state that anything that's made from humans has to be delicious. Yes, the wine, but this wine also the one guy who had it was maybe it was part of the vineyard thing. He has like a bunch of wine backed up in it or like stocked up in his truck and stuff. So this one guy is like an alcoholic who's drinking all the wine. But yeah, he can be totally into the taste of it and just yeah. So years later, there's more killers taunting Jean Renault and people from the movie start ending up dead. So Bob, Bob is skinned because Bob is like a chameleon. So his comeuppance thing is he's skinned. Oh, these are like seven style. Yeah. 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 Juliet is killed in an elevator accident. I knew you would like that one. Um, I don't know how, but a glass elevator crashing, shattering all sorts of crazy stuff. Charlie is seduced by a woman under the skin style and it's very like cool and visual and stylistic, but then he gets Mm. murdered and then used for parts. Right. And then a person at the embassy is killed at like sort of a death by a thousand paper cuts kind of way. I was thinking like that bitch at the embassy, (laughs) right? Someone could sneak in some bees into her, like some bees that were smuggled through customs, not the bees. (laughs) Uh, but either way, Jean Renault goes to the vineyard where all of these bottles of wine are coming from. And then uh, as he sh- has a showdown with the vineyard keeper, Luke and Kate show back up in a triumphant moment where like they have crossbows or something. And they're like, thought you could use some backup, you know, and then. Once That's they, what's up. Yeah. Then once they all kill the the French vineyard keeper guy, the twist ending cliffhanger is that oops, one last case of wine got shipped out. <gasps> and so now there's gonna be, however, like 24 other copycat killers out there potentially. And so yeah. The whole thing is like poltergeist, but it's Instead of Indian burial ground, it's French bad guy burned prison cursed vineyard. I like it. So is the end going to have almost like a Raiders of the Lost Ark type of deal where that case of wine is going to go into a big warehouse with other cases of wine? No, nobody will know. It'll it'll be at like a huge wine warehouse and it'll it'll be a a close up of a stock boy stocking 
the wine and then the camera will pull out to reveal like it's not just in a small little aisle it's surrounded by aisles of wine and so yeah but yeah i like that that i that ominous sort of like ooh, i like evil is just out there yeah it is just beginning All right. Well, that is all for this week. We are thankful for you, our listeners, and we'd be extra thankful if you review us wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at NecromancerPod. All right. Let's get into our love bites for the week. I'm always thankful for love bites. I love our little bite of the podcast where we just get to talk about what we're into. So what are you into this week? Uh, Well, when I, uh, so we watched the movie together like last week. Right. And then I figured, well, I want to watch the movie and take a little bit more notes and stuff. And so I'll just like half watch the movie while I do something else. And then I can just, you know, do something that doesn't require a lot of my attention. So what I planned on doing was playing this game called Strider. Do you know who Strider is? Strider hear you? No, I just, isn't that the name of Vigo Mortensen's character in Lord of the Rings? I don't know. He might be a Strider, but like a Strider in this world is like a futuristic ninja who's supposed to be the most like... It like very samurai in the sense that they uphold honor and justice above everything else. All um, right, they got a Bushido code. Yep. And so Strider Here You has mostly been in like Marvel versus Capcom or Capcom fighting games. But um this game is like it's a 2D platforming action pack side scroller where you're this futuristic ninja who's got an energy sword and the energy sword has the potential for different elemental types. So right now I have plasma, fire, and ice. You also have kunai, which are throwing stars. And you also have a ghost robot, like mountain lion dog thing and you also have a flaming bird phoenix thing and you also have these spinning shield things and so essentially what you do is you go into a room it's very mega man very mario-esque in the sense that the level design is great right first you Mm -hmm. meet the goombas then you meet the koopas then you meet the hammer bros and then you meet all of them together and like there's different platforming things and strider handles like crazy he handles like he's on ice and but you can like have certain actions that make it more direct. So essentially what you do is you just go into a room and spam all of this crazy stuff and it feels good and you take a bunch of hits and then the game's very generous with health and it's like, didn't that feel good? Here's some health. Now you can go around and beat up some enemies one on one and we'll give you a couple like more slower challenges. But it's just great because in between the slower challenges is that catnip feeling of walking into a room as a futuristic cyber ninja and just spamming all of this crazy technological magic stuff. And uh, yeah, the story and setting is very Cold War, like not retro futuristic, but like it's stuck in that 
80s ideology of what the Cold War is, and it's all Eastern European, like neon cyberpunk. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's very much about like this Eastern country taking back the former glory and taking back the motherland. And there's there's a bunch of weird stuff in there, but it's a great little game. There's like no plot to the game. You just go through, and then every time you meet a new bad guy, they're like, hey, doesn't this bad guy look cool? Now fight him. And then they talk while you fight a little bit. It's just a great pick up and play video game. Very thankful for those kinds of games. How about you? What's your love bite? So I was thinking according to the theme of thankfulness. And so I French Kiss was high on my list. And one of my other choices were Sabrina. uh, And then I also thought of another older movie called Midnight. And so I'd like to say that I am thankful for Billy Wilder movies, which uh, Midnight's written by him uh, and Sabrina is written and directed by him. I want to just recommend that if you are not familiar with Billy Wilder, that, that he is somebody that if you're a romance fan, absolutely worth checking out his oeuvre as I like to call it, Sabrina is probably one of my favorite movies. I would look at it, Brett, as the female version of The Apartment. Okay, it's about yeah, a lonely yeah. girl who wants so badly to be in the action instead of watching it from afar, being treated like a peasant, uh, and, and not being given her due or given a time to shine. Uh, and then she transforms just like Baxter transforms and becomes the hero of her own story. Uh, and, and it's just, it's a magical little movie that I have a lot of fondness for because I grew up watching it. There are some people out there who prefer the remake with Harrison Ford And there's nothing wrong with those people. Whichever version of Sabrina you decide to enjoy, uh, hopefully it's the older one. Uh, I think that you will like it. It's It's a good story and it's a good movie. And Billy Wilder is awesome. If not for him, I think we wouldn't have as great options out there that we do because I mean, the 90s was a great decade for rom-coms, but all those movies are cribbing off the movies of the past. So if you want to go back to the primordial ooze of a lot of your favorite comedies, like French Kiss, for example, yeah, gotta watch some Billy Wilder movies. Yeah, if you're just a fan of film in general, you gotta watch film. some Billy, Billy Wilder movies. Um, oh, but one one quick thing, I don't think I finished my thought, which is uh that game strider i was gonna play it while i watched french kiss but i pretty much just ended up watching french kiss again (laughs) great endorsement for french kiss great endorsement all right big daddy mars what are you thankful for uh i am thankful for how do you say this podcast
Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.